I'm gonna start with uh, Badra Bikuni and her name is here translated as Lucky. And she says, you always considered yourself lucky because things seemed to work out the way you wanted. Now luck has a different meaning. Lucky to be walking a path that finds peace in the arising and passing away of each present moment, regardless of how things work out or don't. You always considered yourself lucky because things seemed to work out the way you wanted. Now luck has a different meaning. Lucky to be walking a path that finds peace in the arising and passing away of each present moment, regardless of how things work out or don't. So I think that's a, you know, very good um, way of expressing really what the path is when it's not anymore so much about, you know, that I get what I want, but it, it's much more about, you know, doing the right thing in terms of cultivating the path. Because whatever we get, you know, if we want it or don't want it, it's going to change again. But the way how we are cultivating our minds, that is going to stay with us, you know, even from one life to the next. So it's a, it's a, the ultimate good investment, really, if I may say it very bluntly. And I think it is like a, a very well-hidden secret in plain sight, because I think there's lots of people who do not understand that, how true that really is, you know. And it's, it's just long-term investment, really long-term, but it's going to, you know, it's not easily destroyed. If we really have had some insight, it's going to translate into letting go, and that's what the path, what the path is all about, you know, in letting go of our preconceived ideas of the way things are and f making space for life to speak for itself and that sounds kind of easier you know to say than to do it I agree but this also where we have for example the precepts and where we have Sangha and where we have so many you know skillful meditation instructions in order to help us to you know, make it a reality for us. So please, you know, find a posture you can sustain for about um, 45 minutes. And just, you know, become aware of the body. Simply the body sitting there. Whole body awareness. Body sitting and breathing in and breathing out.
And then before we continue, you know, just bringing to mind for a moment, you know, why do you meditate? Why are you here today? Why do you practice? then allowing the mind to rest on the body just as the body rests on the cushion just very simple And knowing that you are breathing in when you are breathing in and knowing that you are breathing out when you are breathing out. And when you're noticing, you know, that the mind wanders off, thinking about their hopes and fears, past and future, just gently bringing it back to whole body awareness, just with a smile, you know, just dropping it. Because that's what we are really, you know, training here. It's the capacity for letting go.
just becoming aware of you know how the heart is feeling right now the mind what you're bringing to this uh, meeting today I'd just like to do a bit of a guidance for like Brahmavihara meditation, metta, starting with metta, loving kindness, and to bringing up in the heart an image of of a little creature or a baby, puppy, kitten, or some lovely creature, and it brings a sense of uh, loving kindness up in your heart. that sweetness of wishing, you know, may this being and may all beings be happy. So allowing that uh, quality of matter being ignited in the heart and then you know, with the in-breath, Familiarizing yourself how that feels and with the out-breath relaxing to space, allowing that uh, quality to go out into space a little bit without any forcing. May all beings be happy. including myself. And without any forcing, slowly just allowing that uh, quality of matter to radiate out a little in front to one side behind to the left to the front above and below so may all beings be happy
in terms of being aware of the spaciousness of a mind filled with metta, permeated with metta, saturated with metta. The first of the four Brahma-viharas You know, one of the most you know, noble emotions we as human beings can experience. Cradling, you know, like cradling the fearful mind in the cradle of metta. And then it just relaxes and opens up without any forcing. Then we can change over to karuna, compassion, by bringing up an image of uh, somebody in a, in a situation which is more difficult than our own situation right now. So it arouses that sense of compassion, maybe a you know image of a sick person or somebody who has lost something dear and then you know paying attention to how that uh, quality in the heart changes naturally it's a different noble emotion of compassion May all beings be free from harm and the intention to harm. May all beings be free from harm and the intention to harm. Again, you know, breathing out that quality of matter ever so gently and allowing it to radiate out.
and first letting it uh, radiate out in front of us no forcing and then to one side to the back the other side front above and below Karuna Then we bring an image to mind of somebody who has a, enjoys good fortune. Maybe a little child we know, you know, who wins like a competition or wins a prize and is very happy or somebody who is successful in something in their lives. Just having that wish, may all beings enjoy good fortune. Allowing that to well up in the heart. Allow that to radiate out in front of us. 
to one side. Back to the other side. front of us and above and below and sitting in a sphere of mudita, sympathetic joy. Male beings enjoy good fortune. And contentment. And then we come to Upeka, equanimity, which is, you know, we can compare it with the love of a grandmother for her child, for her grandchild, you know, which she has seen everything under the sun. So she, you know, she can just uh, be there and allow the child to make mistakes. May everyone take responsibility for their own happiness. And learn from their quote-unquote mistakes. And that equanimity is informed by all other three Brahma Viharas, Metta, Karuna and 
mudita. It's not an indifference, it's a wise sense of care. Then allowing that to radiate out in front of us. To one side. The back. The other side. Above and below. Ubeka. It has a coolness to it, like the full moon a generosity. If you notice, you know, that your mind wanders off thinking about something, just gently bringing it back. And if needed, you know, just starting again with the image of one of the Brahma-viharas and bring forth that uh, radiation again. Otherwise, just becoming aware of the spaciousness of the mind which is imbued with this noble emotion you know just letting go of thinking and then uh, introducing this uh, Brahma Vihara to the mind is just like laws of nature taking their course, you know, then the mind just naturally opens up like a flower. Like if you give the right causes and conditions, the flower blossoms and with the mind it's just the same. And encourage the right thinking and then the mind opens up in this manner. So then dropping the Brahma Vihara and just being with the boundlessness, the boundless space.
It's almost like listening, listening to the boundlessness, which doesn't end at the walls of this room. Then all, you know, all thoughts, all solidity, everything is left behind, just spaciousness, infinite space. That's our object right now. Very subtle. There's no, no solidity to that. The whole universe is in the mind. And then, uh, you know, dropping that perception of boundless space and being just aware of that which knows the space which is also immeasurable just making like making a u-turn you know looking at that which knows being aware of awareness we can say and an empty knowing So dropping the object and the subject itself is becomes the object we can say or the subject knowing itself. Turning inward. And not thinking about it but just you know when you hear those words the mind will go with it. And just being aware of that. So you know, before it was empty of solidity, just being aware of space, and now it's empty of object. Being aware of awareness.
boundless consciousness, boundless awareness. This is more subtle than boundless space. And then as a next step, just dropping the ego, dropping this sense of I behind that knowing. That knowing it's not a, a thing, knowing is a, is a process. But it can be, you know, a last vestige of identification. I, I am that which knows. Dropping that eye. It's just knowing. A verb, not a noun. And being that knowing. Yeah, and whenever the mind, you know, wants to grasp onto something and make make a story out of it, form a thought, just dropping it. Not allowing the mind to establish itself, to just let that be, that flow. Not, you know, allowing it to freeze over. Just flowing, flowing. You know, that's what we are training here, that capacity to just stay in the flow without stopping anywhere. And as soon as there's a stopping, there's an ego which wants something and doesn't want something. We don't allow that to interrupt the flow. We are aware of it, but we don't get stuck there. And that, that you know, that uh, that neediness to cling on is going to be washed away in that manner, washed out slowly. Like stones in a river, over time, you know, they become very smooth and round and they become smaller and smaller and then it's going to be sand and then it's going to be gone. But that's, you know, what we are doing with the practice is gets broken down more and more and washed away until there's nothing left of it. Just body and breathing without identification. Peaceful
and the whole universe fits into that. Simply because it is. Not because I like it or I don't like it, just because it is. And when the mind is enriched in this way, it's easy to let go. It's just if the mind is stressed out or discontented, then it wants to hold on. I'm just noticing that. doesn't take much you know to create that sense of contentment in the mind doesn't need to go and shop anything for that it's a very simple exercise we've just been doing And then it comes to an end. And, you know, for the remainder of the meditation, just becoming aware of impermanence. That even, you know, a very sublime state of mind, it's impermanent. And when it's time to put it down, we put it down. We can come back to it at another time.
And I'm just uh, remembering it's that, you know, paying attention to impermanence with an open mind. That's what is considered the most powerful uh, practice in the early teachings. There's a, a sutta in the Anguttara and Nikaya, it speaks of, you know, paying attention to impermanence even for the time what it takes to make a finger snap like that. It's considered more meritorious than, you know, giving meal dana to the Buddha. It's incredible. Because it washes away the craving, it washes away the clinging, if we really see impermanence clearly. This is also very good at the end of any meditation, you know, to just reflect a little, at least, on impermanence. You know, however the meditation was good, good in the sense of pleasant and bad, <laughs> in the sense of unpleasant, It is impermanent and to just reflect on that a little bit at the end. Consciously and you know, bringing that to mind. And it washes away the grasping. Because the mind sees, you know, for itself that it's futile to hold on to that which is impermanent. We can't control that. But what we can do is we can train the mind accordingly. This is in our power. And this is what we are doing right now. And that's, you know, what the teaching is all about. It's not about trying to change the world, but it's about changing the mind. So it's more in sync with the way things are. And that's results in less stress. And once you know that adjustment has been fully accomplished, that's what we call awakening or nibbana, full awakening. And it starts with uh, being aware of impermanence, even for a finger snap. And I'm sure you know you have had several finger snaps of that today at this guided meditation. So give a sense of uh, confidence, you know, we are on the right path. It's not rocket science, really. It's rather like quite a humble path. 